Good morning. Um, our reading is from Ephesians 3, 14 to 20. Ephesians 3, 14 to 20. Uh, for this reason, I bend my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner self, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and height, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Amen. Thank you, sir. We are expecting this morning, we are expecting to hear from the Lord for our eyes to be enlightened and to receive. Thank you, Pastor Greg. Thank you, Pastor Chloe, and thank you, Soroa. Well, we've uh, been doing a series on how we can know the will of God, and uh, we're changing. We're moving forward. Uh, the whole year, actually, we've been talking about discipleship uh, and uh, what it means to be a disciple. And really, uh, the end point of discipleship is to be able to walk in love, or the Bible says to be perfected in love. So that uh, scripture which Soroa read from Ephesians, thank you, Margaret. <laughs> Ephesians chapter three is the second um, lengthy, the second uh, prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians, and because it's in Scripture, we know it's a Holy Spirit inspired prayer. And it says a few interesting things. I find Ephesians 1 prayer is about the authority or who we are in Christ. Ephesians 3 prayer, and it's a prayer that we can and should pray for ourselves, is about uh, who we are, how we get perfected in Christ, how we can grow in Christ. And I find it inter interesting, uh, coming down to the end of it, he says, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And we've been talking a lot about the condition of our heart and how we can uh, learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. A large part of that is, uh, is whether we uh, know the love of Christ. Now, here it says, he says here, that you can know the love of Christ which surpasses understanding. In other words, carnally, naturally, with our logical mind, we don't really get to, to know or experience the love of Christ. Knowing or experiencing the love of Christ is something which is uh, spiritually given. It's something which God reveals to us. And so we pray here, and Paul prays for the church in Ephesus, and he asks that they would come to understand that which is really not understandable in a natural sense, and that is the love of Christ. And he says, when you know the love of Christ, your heart's going to be expanded so that you can then walk in the fullness that God has for you. And I love the fact that he uses four dimensions here. 
because I don't know, I, I was never really good at maths, but I did know that we really, we, there's length, there's breadth, there's height, there's depth, but he's got four there, which makes it even more misunderstandable. So what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of his love? So we're going to be talking now for the next few weeks on being perfected in love. Being perfected in love or being matured in love. Turn with me, please, to uh, 1 John 4. One John four, so that is the epistle of John, and that's up towards. It's not the gospel. So uh, the first epistle, written by John, chapter four. He says this, verse sixteen. We got it. I've been told by people who watch the video to give them more time. So just let me know when you're ready. He says here, 1 John 4, we have come to know and believe the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Perfected love casts out all fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. I find it interesting um, looking at um, the lives of, of the saints and the lives of, of uh, various Christians and then examining their lives in the in the Bible that it seems to be that the older they get in the Lord and the more mature they get in Christ, the more they realize they need to understand what love is. It's one of those, uh, you know, when I was, I was praying about this and I really felt to bring love, uh, to talk about love, love being perfected, it's one of those most exciting, boring subjects. And I don't know why it is, it, it, for, for that I mean is when, when, I, when I think about what I'm going to speak on, I mean, I can talk about faith, I can talk about guidance, I can talk about all these things and miracles and healing and all these wonderful things and how we made right for God. And there's something inside me when I get to the topic of love, I just go, yeah. It's just not, it's not one of those sort of run up and down, chase run around topics. I don't know why, but I'm just being honest with you. And yet... It is the most foundational of all the topics of the scriptures. And Paul prayed that we, that, we, that we would come to know and understand the love of Christ, that he may dwell in our hearts, that we would be perfected in him. So when we look at, and like I said, I find it interesting looking at various ministries. And John is the classic example. Because the apostle John, that he, be, he became... He, came to be known as the Apostle of Love. But that was in his senior years. Because in his early years, he was called a son of thunder. So he was one of these really, uh, 
hellfire and brimstone preaches, a 17-year-old who knows everything and tells everything and has got to be first to, the, first to Jesus' grave. And this and that, he's got to be the one sleeping next to Jesus. And he's the one that says, let's call down thunder. And he's the one that asks Jesus about, can I ask you this, that when you rise from the dead, can I, we, we be seated at the right hand? And, the, and he's called a son of thunder. But by the end of his life, all he really wanted to go on about was love. In fact, the early church tells us that whenever John got up to preach in his later years, and he lived past all the apostles, he lived probably well into the ninth century of the ninth decade of the first century, that the early church history tells us that all he would speak on was love. And so he'd, be, uh, he'd get up, they'd invite him to, to come and preach in Antioch, do a sermon series. Uh, what would you like? I'm going to talk on love. And then he'd preach at the church in Ephesus, and they'd say, what are you going to preach on, John? I'm going to preach on love. He'd be one of those, those preachers that you just couldn't invite to a faith conference because he wouldn't speak on faith, he'd speak on love. Or you couldn't invite him to a Gifts of the Holy Spirit conference. If you want a Gifts of the Holy Spirit conference, they're going to have one in Antioch. Let's do a Gifts of the Holy Spirit conference. Who can we invite? Don't invite John. Because all he talks about nowadays is love. And yet he was the one whose head rested on the chest of Jesus as he slept. He was the one that Jesus gave him his mother to look after. But by the end of his life, all he wanted to talk about was love. And when you look at Jesus' ministry, I mean, it was three years of ministry. He taught them on all sorts of things, how to preach the gospel, how to heal the sick, how to turn water into wine. Now, there's a, you would like to be there for that instructional video, how to turn water into wine, all those things about the law, about forgiveness, and his last sermon. John 14 to John 16. He sat down. He knew it was the last night he was going to spend with his disciples. He spoke on two things. One, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit was coming to dwell in them. And that's why he needed to teach on that. But the second thing he taught on was love. How to walk in love. He said, if they're going to know you, they're going to know you because of your love. And this is what you're going to do, guys, because you're going to irritate some, each other sometimes, like I irritated the worship team this morning, and I threw a banner in there, and I had to ask for repentance. He said, you're going to have to wash each other's feet. That was the, only, that was the two, it's funny, that was the second institution that he, he, uh, he created for the church to do. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of people ask me about having communion None have yet asked me about washing each other's feet. <laughs> but because we're doing on love, Luke, can you go and get those buckets of water? That no. <laughs> So he talked about love and loving each other. And this is how they'll know you because it's love. And that was his last sermon was on love. And the Bible says that we are to be perfected in love. And the reason we're starting this series, I sense, probably the last series we do on discipleship, because learning 
the love of Christ for you and learning how to walk in love is being perfected as a disciple. Now, when the Bible talks about being perfected, it says in 1 John 4, and this love is perfected, it doesn't mean you're perfect. Who's glad that it doesn't mean you're perfect? And if you think about it, uh, if we were perfected in love and we were perfect, then we wouldn't need to love. But it means matured. It means it's like a, a uh, we've got a, We've got a mango tree, and unfortunately, at home, and unfortunately, it's in a bit of shade, so it's just taking its time to grow. One day, it'll reach maturity, and we'll get a mango out of it. That'll be a celebration, won't it, darling? So when the Bible talks about being perfected in love, it says that when your Christian walk and your discipleship walk in Christ reaches maturity, you'll be known by your love. Now, love isn't something that we can conjure up. It's not something that we feel. In fact, John says, and we read it in 1 John 4, it says the only reason we have the ability to love like God loves is because He first loved us. We love, he said, because he first loved us. Which tells me, because I grew up in one of the churches I went to, we're always told, you've got you to love God. You've got to love God. You heard this, we've got to love God. And yet you can't love God unless you know how much he loves you. Because if you think he's mad at you, you're not going to love him. You're going to be scared of him. If you think he's angry at you, it's going to be hard to love him. But John, the apostle of love, says we can love him because we first know his love for us. And so the more I look at... And we're, we're, uh, we've got a guest speaker in a few weeks, uh, Reverend Cole Stringer, and he's now in his 80s. And he was a, a hellfire faith preacher going on and on. And I've noticed lately he's focusing on love. It's about love. And it's not the Beatles sort of love. Love is all you need. It's not, not the worldly sort of it. It's the love, the Bible says, that is shared abroad in our heart when we come to know God's love for us. The pastor, the minister that Linda and I trained under, kind of a revolutionary minister in many ways and that he ushered in some you know, teachings on faith and grace and healing that really were not widely known in the, in the, in the church or, or had really been restored. He got a lot of flack from his denomination and the denomination was a large Pentecostal denomination. There were books written against him. There were articles in the Evangel, which was the worldwide magazine about him. And one particular very well-known minister wrote this series of articles without naming him, but everyone knew who he was talking about. And that's, he was talking about the minister that we trained under. And I can remember reading these articles uh, in the 80s, just 
furious that they were just bagging this guy that I respected and loved. And I knew he wasn't all like that, but it went on and on and on and went on and on. Really, the voice that this minister had was probably the leading voice in the denomination. He was writing articles bagging another minister in another denomination, which, FYI, B2W, is not love. But Brother Hagen would never say a word against him. Didn't write an article, didn't write a reply, because it says in 1 John 13 that love is not easily hurt. That love covers a multitude of sins. And he would tell us, if someone accused me of murdering my mother, I wouldn't answer it. Probably a year or two later, after these articles were read, the minister who were written, the minister who wrote them, fell in a very serious way, a sexual way. And I can't remember whether it was with a prostitute or a secretary. It was quite a serious thing like that. And was kicked out of the denomination in disgrace. And Brother Hagen says when it happened, the press came and interviewed him, knowing what was going on, and asked him for his comment. The world's like that. The world would just like to get your muck and your gunk and expose it to everyone. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love, love protects people. And he said, all I said to them was, they asked me about it, they gave it, all I said, he said, what's the point? He said, blowing out someone else's candle is not going to make my, shine bright, my candle shine brighter. And he turned and he walked away from the press. He was the first and the only uh, renowned minister to restore this person to the ministry. Went and saw him, invited him to speak. And when I heard this tape, this tape was from the 90s I was listening to the other day, he called it My Dear and named him. This man who had tried to destroy his ministry. And I say that because by this stage, Brother Hagen was in his 70s and, and he'd been teaching on faith and healing and all those sorts of things. But towards the end of his life, he majored on love. And if we're to be perfected in our discipleship, in our Christian walk, we've got to learn to understand the love of God. So we're starting this series. You're going to stick with me. We're going to be together. Because this year was about making disciples, followers of Jesus. And I figure he kind of knew how to walk in love. I mean, not many of us have been crucified with our with our hands through our nails and pierced through our... Sh and then said, Lord, forgive them for they know what, what, not what they do. And if we to, to be perfected in love, we, learn, we need to know how to walk in love. To know how to walk in love, we need to know his love for us. Love's a... Uh, there's worldly love, there's human love, and then there's the God kind of love. The kind of love that God has, which is different. To worldly love. In fact, we, we use the word very um, we, we use the word very lightly. Like I could say, I love the wallabies, as in the rugby team. But after they got penalized with 10 seconds to go against the All Blacks and lost it, I'm not so sure I love them anymore. You see, and then I used to love certain types of cars, you know? Anyone loved a certain make of car? I know we've probably got Holden fans here. Anyone a Holden person here? We still love you. 
Anyone a Ford person? You say, I love that, or I love this color, and we use it so flippantly, this term for love, but that is not the kind of love that God's talking about. And in the Bible, there's a few words for love, and a common one is eros, which you kind of guess what that means, eros, erotic or physical love, a physical attraction. Another one is philae love, or friendship, or being good friends with it. But the human kind of love normally is based around how that person makes you feel. I feel good when I'm with that person, so I love them. I, 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 I feel good when I support this football team because I'm part of a group, so I love that football team. That's the human kind of love. But when when the Bible was written, the Holy Spirit was writing the Bible, and, and he said, I've got to come up with another word because that's not the God kind of love. That's not the kind of... God doesn't need us to feel good. He doesn't need us to make us look good, to make him look good. Who knows, God kind of looks good without us. You know, we kind of lower the standard. You know, God walks into any room and the standard goes up. We walk into a room with God in it, the standard goes down. So that wasn't the kind of word they wanted. And so they, the, the, they settled on, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a word called agape. Agape love. So when they talk about human love, it might be filiae. When they talk about relationship love, it might love, love. Relationship love, it might be eros. You know, they make them feel good. But when they talk about God kind of love, they use a word Agape, and it was, it's one of the few words in the New Testament which the Christians kind of reinvented. One word was grace, charis. The other word was agape. And when they were working out the meaning of it, they found very few uses of it, but they found one written on the epitaph of a general where it says his soldiers agaped him. And it went on to describe that whatever that general needed, the soldiers would provide him. For. When that, if that general would needed help, the soldiers would go there and back him, even at the cost of their own life. And that's the God kind of love. Now, human love is kind of different. In fact, I used to teach, uh, I'm a, a, in a former, former life, I'm a film and television teacher. And uh, one of the series I did was the genre of, uh, the genre of romantic comedies. And uh, who knows that they're, they're, they're the best two genres themselves, romantic comedies, uh, romantic dramas. Who's a rom-com? Thank you very much. And, uh, and, and so I, I would teach... The first thing I teach is that media is a construction. And we use the, the romantic comedy as, as the uh, basis in which I taught that. And so I had, uh, we used the, uh, uh, the movie Sleepless in Seattle. Who's seen that movie? Lovely movie, Sleepless in Seattle. And the Sleepless in Seattle, the question they're asking is, what is love? What is love? Not What's love got to do with it? 
No, what is love? And that whole movie, and that's a question that almost all romantic comedies ask. And this one asks that question, what is love? And so you've got this uh, Tom Hanks who, was, who felt his love of his life, his wife died and he's getting his, his life back together and he's asking the question of himself, will I ever be able to love anyone? And then you've got Meg Ryan, who's this dippy thing who just... Her idea of love is just stargazing, you know, like this, like that. And she's really projecting the love, what she thinks is love on him. And uh, the, the poster for the movie has, um, has a, I'm just trying to look a bit like Meg Ryan. Just let your imagination run wild for a while, all right? I, I know it, I'm more naturally like Tom Hanks. So when I go over there and look like Tom Hanks, oh, I can see Tom Hanks. But Meg Ryan, she's, she's like this, and the light is in her face, and her hair's wisping back behind her like this and flowing in the breeze. And the sun's there, and she's, and, and she's just gazing. And you look at her look, and she's gazing. And then Tom Hanks is over there, and Tom Hanks, here's my more natural Tom Hanks look. He's sort of, can you see it? He's more, he's out, and he's like, he's stretching it. Work with me here, guys. Okay, if you laugh at her joke, you can work with me. All right? And he's, a, he's gazing, and he's got this puzzled look because he's asking this question, what is love? Can I love her? And she is certain that she loves him. She's got no idea. Who's seen the movie? She's got no idea what love is. Has she? She's got no idea. And, we, you know, for the purpose of that, of the, of the class, I, I point out that if you look at it, the light on her is coming from that way and the light on him is coming from that way. And the kids go, do you mean that they didn't, weren't even together? I said, no, he was probably in LA and she was probably in New York when they took these photos. The whole thing's a construction. And the thing is, when we say we love someone, do we even know what that means? Because I tell you what, she was projecting what she dreamt Tom Hanks to be onto him and she loved him because she just felt that he would meet this need in her and then of course they meet on the top of you know, the Empire State Building you know the scene and they go down the little boy leaves his bag and they come up and then they meet and they look at each other and they go down the lift and they're just looking at each other like this he's looking at each other, just in love and he's thinking I don't know if this is going to work and she's thinking I love you I love you I love you she has got no idea now, it was different when I met Linda because she was across the courtyard at Woden Plaza and the sun was blowing behind her and, and the sun was blowing. The wind was blowing and her hair, hair blew lightly and I just knew straight away that I loved her. I knew it was love. I knew it was love. Who's been there, done that? He's love. <laughs> Did you say lust? No. no. I knew it was a car pie. But, you know, you don't really know what love is on unma marriage till you're not feeling it anymore. Or a better one, too, is, you know, the baby wakes up five times a night. And you get up, and you're loving, and you're kind to that baby, and you care for it, even though you're tired, even though it hurts, and you feed it, and you soothe it, even though you want to be asleep. And that's when you discover what love is. Because love is always wanting to give the most to someone. 
Love is always wanting the best for someone else. Love is moving on behalf of that person for their good in spite of how you feel. Turn again to 1, 1 John 4, would you? One John four sixteen says, "We have come to know and to believe the love which God has for us. God is love, and no one abides in love. In love, and no one who abides in love. Uh, sorry, the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love is made perfect in us." so that we have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. My prayer for us is that we will be perfected in love. He goes on to say, we love God because he first loved us. And John 3, verse 16, and we all know it because it's written on people's eyelids at basketball games and they hold up signs in the Olympics. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave because he knew what we needed. So he gave his son. God so loved the world that he gave. It would help us to wake up in the morning and say, God so loved me that he gave. God so loved me that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I love there, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. To know God's love for us removes any fear of him. Fear involves punishment. And God's not angry at us. God's not mad at us. God judged sin on Jesus so that he wouldn't have to judge it on us. God so loved the world that he gave. God so loves you that he gives. James says he gives generously to all and there's no reproach about it. In other words, he, you ask him for according to his will. He said he'll give it to you. He's not going to check to see if you're worth it. He's not going to check to see if you've earned it. He's not going to be angry at you for asking. You know, sometimes you feel someone asks you something and you know they don't deserve it. Doesn't it just build up a bit of self-righteousness in you? God's not like that. He says, ask Whatever we ask of him according to his will, he gives generously without reproach. God's not mad at us anymore. The demands of sin 
the demands of righteousness fell on Christ so that we could experience his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So my prayer for this series is that we get up, we'll do that last song. My prayer for this series is that we would learn to be perfected in love. We'd come to a deep understanding of his love for us. The unconditional, everlasting, the length, the breadth, the height, the depth of his love. So that we can live a life free of fear. Free of judgment. And knowing his love, we can learn to love others. And this love is perfected. We can have confidence in the day of judgment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy towards us. Thank you for your everlasting love that's shed abroad in our heart. Father, I pray that in this time, this series, Father, that your love will become real to us, that we'd know how to walk in it and how to live in it and how to be perfected in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up.